Welcome to Yela Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yela Mensa is a ministry of East Bambano, Center for Biblical Justice. I am your host, David Kluter, and with me is my man, John Skippers. Hey, everybody. Say hello for the Mensa. Yep. Hello, everybody. Yep. You must wait for me this until I say, say hello for the Mensa. It's, Sorry, it's man. Thing, hello for the Mensa. Now you sh- yeah, I say hello for the Mensa. Yeah. Yo, yo, yo. yeah. We, we're still South African. Today. We, we, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did, Dude, we just started. <laughs> I don't know, you brought the fire. You the one coming here was heavy stomping all over my hello. I just said hello. And stomp, Listen, stomp, we have we have professional yo. people in the room. Can yo. we just behave like yo, 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 yo. So today we want to talk about um, reading the Bible in community. Um, reading the Bible in community. Uh, what is it? Why is it important? Uh, and what does any of that have to do with racial and economic injustice uh, or justice, e- racial and, e- and economic justice? You know, that's that's sort of the, the main angles that Isman Bano and Yellow Mensa is, is focused on. Um, so we want to ask, what is what does that conversation have to do with both of those ideas? Mm-hmm. To help us talk about this, we have a very close friend, very, very special guest with us today, Mr. Jeremy Kouris. So, so Jeremy is uh, 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 South Africa country leader for J Life Africa. He's also the founder and team leader for Exilic Music. You got that right. This is the man behind every one of our recordings. Jeremy has, has, has served us and Exilic <laughs> has served us in a phenomenal, profound way and just getting our stuff sounding crisp sounding beautiful. If the content throws you, don't worry, that's not him, that's between me and John, but, but yeah, whatever yeah. the quality that we've been producing. Uh, so Jeremy, JK, for short, so Jeremy Kuris, JK, yes, sir. Uh, welcome to, to Yellow Mensa. Thank you Once so again. much. This is not your first time, but welcome to Yellow Mensa. It's not my first. Thank you. It's really cool to be here. Um, yep. I feel like a hybrid, like half guest, half family of <laughs> well full family it's, it's really good There's to be no here. Thank you. you're a full you're a full guest so we're going to treat you like a there guest we go. we're going to give you a special you know all of the special things that we've been giving you so far if you if you don't feel special at all by now <laughs> then i don't know and yo, when i say man. special i'm using in quotes um, yo, yo. oh that kind of special yeah. yeah that that kind of special well that Jeremy, kind of this special. is your first man. time doing a podcast with me because you and I didn't do a podcast yet. So to start with Jesus, not with you, but to start with what Jesus has done in your life, can you first tell us a bit about yourself, uh, the work you're doing for Jesus? Uh, if there's other work you're doing that doesn't involve him, uh, we don't really want to hear about that stuff because um, we want all of that stuff to be for him. Um, and tell oh, us about man. your faith journey. Tell us about your faith journey. Sure, sure. Okay, I'm, I'm the same Jeremy that was on in episode whatever that was. Um, I yes, I am a follower of Jesus. I, I'm doing my best with His grace to follow Him as as best as I can. <laughs> um, I've been a follower of Jesus, uh, like since I was I don't know six or seven years old. My mom led me in prayer to the Lord, and since then, you know, I trace my personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know if I shared that last time. I don't think so. Um, but I, I feel like I only really became a disciple of Jesus that was like really learning from him. Uh, when I turned 19, I was, um, I was invited to this, um, scripture union camp. Um, and actually not as a camper, actually as a, as a leader, uh, it was the fresh air camp at Froggy Pond in Simonstown. And um, I actually said, um, no, I don't want to attend because I'm busy teaching Sunday school. I don't have time for camps. 
<laughs> but it was at that camp that I really had an encounter with the Lord and recommitted my life to the Lord. And from then on, I feel like I was, you know, all all in following Jesus. Um, and that that's like, yeah, that was in 1991. So that they, they you know, how old I am. Um, yeah, and I'm married. I've been married. To, to, there we go. I've been married to Tanya for 20 years. Uh, we have four children. Um, uh, we are, yeah, we, we follow Jesus in everything. <laughs> so I serve with a ministry called J Life. You, you, you've mentioned that, which is a disciple making movement. We train Christian leaders to look at the life of Jesus in the gospels and the early followers of Jesus in the, in the Acts narrative and, and just encourage them to apply the, the, not just the message of Jesus, but also the the life and the methods of Jesus to their lives and to their ministries and to their contexts. Uh, so it's it's just an exciting um, opportunity to to work with churches, you know, across the country. Um, I'm passionate about developing um, younger people uh, holistically as well. And so um, I'm an entrepreneur and a creative and really want to raise up other young people who have similar passions and interests and teach them to do business in a way that glorifies Jesus. And yeah, my wife is also a, a business owner. And then we also, uh, for the past two and a half years now, we've been part of a, a new church, church plant that is maybe, uh, and that maybe segs into kind of what we'll be talking about tonight, that that we, we try and read God's word together and we are a community of people from just different walks of life, different generations, different cultural backgrounds, different economic, uh, mixed, mixed economy, <laughs> nice words. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and a bit about what I do and yeah. Oh, that's powerful, man. Sure. Thanks for that. So to start us off, I want us, I want us to talk, begin to talk, begin this conversation by talking about context. Now we know that Jesus is important. We know Jesus is the answer. But why is context so important for reading the Bible? Sure. Yeah, I think context is important uh, on a number of different levels. But I think at a base level, we are so far removed from the scriptures and we removed in different ways. We are removed just in terms of time. I mean, scripture was written centuries ago, right? Millennia ago, some parts of it. Um, so if you so you thousand years, thousands of years away or hundreds of, of years away from what has been written, it's just a whole nother way of life, right? But then there's also the geographical distance between us and, you know, the Bible wasn't written in the Western world or in the Southern part of Africa. And so understanding the geography is critical to understanding the text. But then there's also like the social setting, the, the way of life, the belief systems, the worldview of the people. We are so far removed. And so it's helpful to understand context bef before you can understand the text. Yeah, that's that's important. And I think one of the things that we mentioned when we did um, Romans 13 yeah. was that we mentioned also literary context because there's this there's, there's, yeah. there's, 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 there's a passage or, or a book of the Bible that Correct. fits within the, 
bigger biblical theological narrative of, of the Bible. And it's, under, it's important to understand a passage, a scripture, uh, uh, a book of the Bible within the, the grand story of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there would be different genres, as, as, as we might call them, and different genres have different rules. And so you want to, yeah, yeah, 100%. You don't interpret poetry like you interpret prose or prophecy or... I was paying attention in that class that day. <laughs> That's why you didn't fall asleep. But yeah. I mean, I, I would also add, besides, like, I mean, we often talk about the... I guess what we're saying now is uh, can be summarized with that term, historical grammatical interpretation, right? Sure. Or the theological yeah, context of the Bible. Yeah. Well, the one thing you guys haven't mentioned, which I mean, that's all true, and but and and yeah. so though we have those contexts, but then we come in layers of context yeah. because I think as well, we we have to think about our own context. Um, mm. this, so we just we just been talking about the Bible, the context exactly. of the Bible, but, but not the yeah. Bible reader. So the Bible reader mm. has a context, and sometimes we don't. I certainly as an evangelical, I think we haven't paid enough attention to that. Yeah, possibly. Mm. And when we mm. have, I always say that I was always taught to be aware of my context, and then to kind of try and put it aside, as though I could then objectively come to Scripture. That's but a, I can't. I mean, I can't put my context aside. I am always reading from somewhere, for better or for worse, you know. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. And, and I guess the other context that we often don't think about as well, I guess, is the, the historical context after the Bible, so the history of interpretation. So the, every text yeah, has got a history good. of being interpreted Ooh. and being understood in a certain way. And we've inherited some of that. We inherited that. And so that historical, correct, those those methods feed into our tra- in, into our faith traditions and into our theological positions. They feed into that, and we come to the text with all of that. Sorry, I cut you off, John. But, but and positively and negatively, because we also know what what our tradition thinks the text says, but then we also know what it definitely doesn't say. And sometimes yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's because also of a theological battle or theological discussion that was had 50, 60, 200 years ago. And we've already that's made good. our mind sure. up about that. But actually when we're going, yeah. maybe today there's, maybe maybe there's actually is more going on. That's so, powerful, so we, John. That's do you know powerful. What I mean? We've got these, 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 these historical contexts of interpretation and we're already interpreting them given our inherited theology. So we already know and we already decided and we already said there's, you know, you, sure. instance, you can't lose your salvation. Therefore, any passage that seems to suggest that must be interpreted through that lens. And that's not that theological sure. framework is bad or, or no, no, no. it's just it's a recognition just, that we have one. <laughs> let's just be honest and say we have a framework. That's why we could give the series a header because we have a framework. We didn't study the text yet. We're still going to do the study. We're just putting the header on the poster. <laughs> and and here's, the, yeah. here's, the, here's, the, here's the crazy thing about everything that we are saying. Even what we were saying in the beginning, talking about uh, grammatical, historical, social, political context of the people and the times and the people who wrote the Bible, that comes yeah. from a history of, of the church having worked through or you know, looking at how do we approach the Bible and actually coming towards a more faithful way of, of looking at things. Um, and this is why I appreciate yeah. what you were saying, John, so much in that 
we must not for one minute think that, hey, we've, we've nailed it all, especially when we think about, uh, because now we'd be, we'd be only beginning to think about, hey, people of color have actually, you know, massive contributions to make about, you know, scripture has been, that has been overlooked and is making, that has just not been investigated enough. And, and we can go on and on and on and on about, you know, what our current times and what the Lord is sovereignly doing within the church that is allowing the church to think through uh, our approach to scripture, who's been, who's been applying and who's been interpreting the scripture, what methods and tools have been using and, and, and how can we actually, in, 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 with that, add to what the Lord and what the Spirit is currently doing within the church in helping us be more faithful. Um, and that's why I think this title is so important, Reading in Community. Um, yeah. And I want to, you know, we, we've, said, we've said a lot of things, though, but somebody listening to this may be thinking like, guys, you're complicating this unnecessarily. You are making this so difficult. Surely God's word is meant to be, uh, just understand. It was just meant to just be understood. Why can't we just read it, trust it, and, do, and then do what it says? Why can't we just go on with the business of getting into the text? Good. That's a good question. The question I would ask is, who are you <laughs> that wants to read the Bible? You know, coming back to what John was saying, there's there's the biblical, there's the, the issue of biblical context, but then there's the context of the reader. And we touched on just some of it. Uh, we spoke about faith traditions, theological positions. Um, there's also the issue of your own faith journey, like where you are. You guys asked me at the start of the of the conversation. Tell us a bit about your faith journey, your own faith journey, your own spirituality, your relationship with God also shapes how you come at the text, where you are in your walk with Jesus shapes how you come to the text. So that's why I'm saying thank you so much for asking the question, but who are you who just wants to read the Bible and, and obey it? Because where you are in your faith journey also shapes you know, it, it, it shapes who you are and how you see things. Uh, it, it provides additional sort of coloring to the lens through which you look at, at, at Scripture. Um, and all of these things, faith tradition, your personal journey, we, we've already into that, like your, your social context, who you have proximity to, even things like your generation, I would say, like the maybe, I don't know, the generational cohort that you are part of, your age, you know, in in proximity to, to others, it shapes how you see things and how you read things, your gender. All of that social context issues, I mean, it speaks to how much access or how much power you have or where you, you know, your social status, where you stand in a particular society. All of that affects how you read scripture. It affects what you see or what you don't see. Like some people don't see things because it's not an issue for them because of where they stand in terms of their social context. Other people see things because it, it's an issue for them. Right. Yeah, powerful. I think it's interesting what you were saying is that the, um, the idea that, that the person who says, you know, I mean, what's that classic thing? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That kind of idea that like yeah. I just come to the Bible and what it says I do. Um, and it's simple. I, I, you know, and we use that phraseology, like yeah. I just read the Bible. Um, but the reality is like, you've just shown us is we don't just do anything, whether it's Bible reading or reading any other text. We, we, we come with who we are. Yeah. 
But the danger, I think, is that if we're not aware of that, that the Bible can be, we actually miss a lot. We can yeah, misinterpret yeah. scripture. We can, scripture can end up backing up our own prejudices, our own blind spots. Um, yeah. it, it can end up looking a whole lot like, like us. The reality is all of us come with a context, all of us come with a framework. And when we Good. don't recognize it, it's almost like that, that framework just comes in the back door. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. You can't get away from it. It comes yeah. in the back door. It's unchecked. It's yeah. unrealized. And it wrecks havoc. There you go. on your faithful yeah. interpretation of scripture yeah. um, because you're not re- realizing it. You're not able to check it and, and, and mull it over and, uh, and realize the good and the bad in it. Yeah. But I want to get, let's get to, to our subjects. Let's get to our subject, uh, reading the Bible in community. What is it JK? Uh, and why is it so important? Mm. Yeah. Reading the Bible in community. I think it's, it's, uh, it's about, listening to each other's reading of scripture. So it's, it's, it's definitely not a community of people coming together for Bible study where one person does the Bible study and everybody else is together reading the Bible. It's, it's, it's not that. It's a place where, where people come together and where those people, that community, is a diverse community. Uh, it could be diverse. You know, some of the things we were talking about, culturally, socially, uh, socioeconomically, even gender, generations. And these people come together to not just listen to one person read and interpret scripture. Because, again, who is that person? Right? Um and this is not to undermine leadership in any way. I think leadership and teaching gifts and, you know, these gifts have a amazing opportunity to facilitate this kind of reading so that people can begin to listen to each other and hear each other's reading of scripture. And through that, they can grow. And your second question is, why is it important? And I think it's, it's, it's just what I said at the end. So that people can really grow into the image and be conformed into the image of Jesus. I think if we're going to be faithful disciples of Jesus, then we need to look more like him, right? We need to be more more uh, image bearers and more like Jesus. But but that is a that is an almost impossible task if the only people I read scripture with look like me learn like me, think like me, earn like me, live like me, you know, we are going to see God from our vantage point. And if that vantage point is similar, then that sort of places the limit on how much of, of God's, uh, I like that verse in Ephesians that, Ephesians that talks about the manifold wisdom of God or the multi-sided wisdom of God. God's wisdom is manifold it's got many sides to it but i'll probably only always see one side of it because that's how we see god you know but so so yeah it's growing to see more of god and be more like jesus jeremy you're not talking about some kind of relativistic thing where we all kind of just bring our ideas and our thoughts and everything's kind of just 
right and and your truth we, we we are still holding to some sense of objective truth some sense of God. oh no no i was no i was talking about being relative <laughs> i was talking about relativism yeah yeah <laughs> no i'm joking no 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 not here not here not at all i, I thought we needed no, to, and to, to cut the the, the podcast to, to end the podcast there <laughs> It's like, sorry, we're losing him. We, we, we're not quite no, we're losing him. No. Thank you. Um, great question, John. And and I kind of alluded to this in the, in the point that I made about leadership and people with teaching gifts. There's definitely a role for pastoral ministry and shepherding and teaching and, and leading in this and helping people. But I think great leadership is facilitative leadership. It's empowering leadership. It's leadership that raises up and releases people to begin to see God for themselves and not see God through their own lens. And I think too often, you know, we we say things like, oh, we can't just open this thing up because then we're going to come up with all kinds of subjective interpretations. Okay, so what's the solution? Well, it's better if I just handle the teaching. Okay. Exactly. Like, who are you? <laughs> so, and again, I I know for some this might sound like very postmodern, and there are no absolutes. But really, great leadership is the kind of leadership that asks questions. I mean, that's what we see in Jesus' life and ministry. He he'd be asking questions and getting people to think and painting pictures and helping them to see God and to see the things of the kingdom of God. In creative ways, again, I think we've inherited particular styles of learning and teaching that have become like canon. So now it's like, well, if you're going to learn, then this is the way to learn. This thing about reading in community, well, I don't know how much people will actually then be grounded in sound doctrine. Uh, Well, are there no people with teaching gifts who can give some general frameworks and parameters so that people can... Jump in and learn and see more than what they'd ever see if it was just one person, you know, doing the, the exposition. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely not relativism. It, it requires good, strong leadership, but it, it, it requires the kind of leadership that will free people and empower people to see God. In the, in the text. Powerful. See God in, in the, the text. text. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <coughs> now, what is the... What is the what is, what is all of that, reading the Bible in community uh, or not reading the Bible in community, uh, have to do with the work of justice? No, that's, that's a really, really good. Uh, just I, I think the questions are great and they just lead, right? So if you think about what we've been talking about, just in terms of um, the Bible readers and who they are, if Bible readers, followers of Jesus, right, Christian Bible readers, come from different social settings, then it, it, it goes without saying that now we're talking about issues of difference. I'll start there. Issues of difference. And if you think about our context, in our context, a highly racialized society, now we're not just talking about difference. We're talking about issues of power. And we're talking about issues of of class, right, of economy, all those things come to bear on the Bible reader in the South African context. And so if you're talking about 
reading the Bible together, it's an issue of justice because of all of that diversity. If we're serious about that kind of diversity, it just sets up the uh, opportunity for reflections within the context of uh, how do disciples live justly? How do they think justly and how do they do justice if that context is diverse? If we're talking about reading the Bible in community, but everybody in that community is the same, then we can probably bypass the justice issues because, you know, everybody's got justice here. Everything's good. Everything's fine and dandy. But I think it's the issue of diversity in that community that connects this topic to justice and very strongly so. Yeah. I think, I think there's still something about when I think of, when I think, and I'm in air quotes using the word black church, when I think of the black church, because there's a lot going on there in terms of uh, power as well, younger kids, young adults in a, in a church setting, getting a space and their opinions yeah. and their reading and their their their, their views of scripture, um, Very good. and what they see in the text coming through. Uh, I remember so many times I've been asked by, by by young adults, "Why is there not a lot about Jesus' childhood?" Uh, we have what we have, but it doesn't mean that what's there dismisses, because there's actually a lot that that the Bible beyond the gospel says about the poor and the vulnerable and how God speaks about taking care of, of you guys. And part of the reason Israel goes into captivity is because they didn't take care of the the widows and the orphans. And, 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 and and we are, you are always in the story. It's just that the people who've been reading it don't see you because they don't think it's important. And so even within the black church context, those things need to, need to be, need to be, need to be, need to be highlighted, uh, you know, in a probably white Mm. church context where, where there's, if there's no people of color in there, um, I mean, uh, there's class, there's women correct, in the congregation. There's, so there's a lot of things always going yeah. on that that yeah. we overlook and we often yeah. think race or we think color correct, that dismisses uh, yeah. what the spirit wants to do in terms of giving people right. space. John, you wanted to say something? The reality is like when we talk about a diverse community, yeah. actually seeing justice in the scripture. So... Uh, for instance, mm-hmm. if you're coming from a privileged place where you haven't known oppression, you may miss the passages yep. or you may spiritualize the yep. passages about justice. Whereas if you're coming from a place where you've known injustice, you know what it's like to be hungry. You know what it's like to be mm-hmm. taken advantage mm-hmm. of by a landlord. <laughs> Those passages, you're not going to spiritualize them yeah. because they're very real. Yeah. But but actually, I just love and I want to just highlight in case anyone's missed that, what you said about even the very practice of reading in community is about done well, we can invert those those destructive power dynamics that are so common. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you realize that that if I'm sitting as a um, as a white middle-aged postgraduate educated white man, I think I said that. That's actually not praise, but anyway, but but that's what I yeah. am. And the question is like given our power dynamics in our society, do I have, do I believe that I have something to learn from a domestic Mm, worker, mm, from someone who's, someone who's homeless? mm. Because, and you know, I've been trained that no, there isn't, but that's unbiblical. And so even as we sit and we say, what are you learning? What are you seeing? And being open to learning from 
these people who I'm not supposed to get anything. Yeah, sure. It's a justice yeah. issue. Yeah. We are subverting those worldly power dynamics of supremacy. And that can be racial, that can be economic, yeah. that can be gender, yeah. that can be all over. Yeah. You just said that and that just blew me away. I, I've never actually thought yeah. about even the very act of, of leading together diverse yeah. community. Yeah. The act itself, yeah. before you even kind of get to the 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 what, yeah. the act itself. Yeah. Is subversive, yeah. Just, 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 uh, yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, not just the reading together, but the being together, the community itself, which again answers the question, who are you? Well, I am a white middle-aged male or a black middle-aged, whatever, but I am immersed in this community, which kind of changes you a little bit now, because now you're that person in proximity to this other community and that community itself is kind of massaging and changing the way you look at the world, you know. So, yeah, the community itself is is, is key. And again, just to underscore, I, I loved your comment, David. It's So, so when we talk about di- a diverse community, it's not just culturally or ethnically diverse. It's diverse in so many ways because all of those, all of those issues of difference bring some kind of power and access and privilege to it. Yeah. Now, now, what impact um, might learning to read the Bible in community have on on the theology and practice of a South African church still largely divided along racial and economic lines? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think it's, it's I mean, the question presumes that even though you are divided, you are then willing to, or there's at least an opportunity for you to read the Bible in in a diverse community. And, and I, I would kind of back up and then start there and say, even in our highly segregated Christian communities, we then we then need to be looking for opportunities to read the Bible in community, for starters, because those, those opportunities are probably not low-hanging fruit, right? We live in such a segregated world. It's not going to be the easiest thing to just, Oh, on Sunday, we're reading in community. Like if your community is not diverse, then it's going to be hard. So you need to find those opportunities or create those opportunities. And so that's already calling for some kind of posture of humility that says, okay, I need to actually get into some kind of diverse relationship first so that we can then start reading the scripture together. So that's a, it's a big step and it's a gospel call. It's a call to pick up your cross, deny yourself, lay your life down, you know, and, and want to follow the narrow way. This is not going to be easy. This is going to be a narrow kind of path that leads to that kind of life. So I would, I would preface it by st- saying that. But then in terms of um, what was the, the actual question, what is the benefit or what would the impact be? Yeah, sure, man. So I'll just talk from my own, and maybe I'm getting ahead of us here, but just from my own experience, the, the, the opportunities that, that I've now had to be part of a community, um, and, and like full disclosure, right? I, I, I have a teaching gift. I'm very passionate about equipping and training and teaching and instructing and that. But the, the community that we're in has been set up in such a way that there's not like one voice doing all the equipping and teaching all the time. Uh, we've set it up so that it is a facilitative, this kind of thing. Let's learn together, read together. 
But the but this I tell you the stuff that I've been able to learn in terms of impact in my own life, just from hearing how other people read the same passage that I'm reading, how they think about it, and how God speaks to them, and so it's not just oh they bringing something to the table that's challenging me. It's also oh wow. The way God spoke to you and dealt with you through this passage. I think if I had to tell you this, there would have been some potential for overt power or paternalism or dominance. or so It could have kind of just drifted into kind of some sinful thing where I'm telling you this is what you need to do because the Bible says this. Yeah, yeah. That's powerful. It, it reminds me also of something that happened um, as, as a leader uh, that we are in evangelical circles, certainly evangelical circles. We, when we, we are so, you know, this top-down way of, of teaching and relaying the scriptures that even when we ask questions of what do you see in the passage before we get to some of the meat that we've prepared, we, we're actually asking that question not actually to hear what the people have to say, but so that we can, we can correct them. To hear yeah, where they are and not actually yeah, trying yeah. to hear like, oh, what are, what, are, what are people seeing in this passage? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's um, one of those passages for me was that, 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 you know, John the Baptist, the naming of John the Baptist, the fact that my students saw the, the community coming together and uh, then the community deciding we're going to give this name of this boy after his father. And then, and then be, that being a, a, a something within the community, when, when the father says, no, his name must be, as the mom says, his name is going to be John, because this is something prophetic. This is something that's been given. I had to pause and say, oh, snap. Um, that the fact that you guys saw this, because I was like, yeah. And also the thing of, yeah, but what's the point? Let's, what's the point of the passage? Let's not get bogged down. Let those things are, what's the main point? These things are fine, but what's the main point? What's the main point? What's the sin here? And I think we miss the sin within yeah. the community context yeah, yeah. if we don't see sure, that's, all that's that good. stuff happening. Yeah, it's getting hot. It's getting hot. I think and you're the hot seat, by the way. Yeah, I know. I, I see that. You, I'm, I'm burning here in my chair. <laughs> I think, again, it, 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 um, it comes back to some of what I said earlier about uh, people with leadership gifts or leadership callings, teaching gifts, you know, pastoral gifts, whatever you want to call it. I think if if those gifted people were really faithful to their call, then they would be equipping others to be able to read, interpret, understand. And when I say others, I don't mean other future preachers. I'm talking about other believers. You know, you, I mean, the context of Ephesians 4 is the body, right? It's not really a leadership passage when you when you look at it. And then, and again, it's different views on, on verse 11, right? Uh, but if, if you just look at what the passage is saying, the main point, <laughs> it's all about helping individuals come to maturity in Jesus. And so it says, those gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, they are given to equip God's people for works of service, to become effective in ministry, to grow into maturity, to look more like Jesus, 
to not be tossed to and fro by every doctrine. So those gifted leaders are actually there to help God's people become more mature. So if you are gifted as a teacher and you've got great skills with, you know, opening up the scriptures and you can exegete and you understand backgrounds and that's just your thing. Why are you not helping God's people be like you? Why are you the one doing all the ministry? Why are you not helping God's people? If you would give God's people the, the, the skills, the resources, disciple them into becoming like you, then they can read scripture. And what, what, are, you, what are you concerned about? You scared that they're going to misinterpret scripture? Why would they? You taught them. Are you scared that they're going to drift off into unsound doctrine? No, the passage says if you equip them well, then they will not be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of trickery. They'll actually be solid and sound if you just imparted some of the wonderful skills that you have to them. That doesn't mean stand in the pulpit and preach. It says equip them for the work of ministry. So I think if we empowered our people to study God's word and to study God's word together in diverse communities, we will help more people to become more sound in doctrine, sound in theology, if that's your thing, and mature in their faith, and they'll be looking more like Jesus, and they'll be more diverse in their view on the world because they'll be learning with others, you know, and not just hearing from one person. So I, I think it will change the way the equipping happens because when people are equipped to equip, you're going to have a whole lot more people equipping. You're going to have diversities of voices now leading. In South Africa, I mean, that's got to have very particular implications yeah. as well. The reality is, is that whether we mean to communicate this or not, I think certainly in, in more evangelical churches in certain uh, sectors, we are communicating that God speaks to certain people, mm. yep. uh, that certain people are the people who can interpret its scripture Correct. correctly. Correct. And immediately what that means is that certain issues, certain struggles, and often related to poverty and injustice are off yep. the table because those people who are doing most of the interpreting, who are controlling the interpreting, are going to miss yep. it by and large. Um, I know it took me a long time of actually work, walking with and journeying and listening to others for me to actually start seeing them in scripture, because before I just yes, didn't sir. see them. I wasn't trained to see them. Sure. I was into Esau Macaulay uh, on a podcast oh. the day, and he said, we haven't been discipled. We have not been discipled to see those things mm. in scripture. And, and that is very yep. powerful. So when it comes to justice related things, when it comes to racial inequality, we have not been discipled to see yep. them. And I want to say that there is, there's a motive in that. Yeah, there is a, maybe it's not a, a, a motive that people realize, but those of us we have a vested interest uh, in in having biblical interpretation a certain way. Yep, yep. And so, exactly, if we believe in reading the Bible and community together, if it's a value, um, I think it's going to affect our teaching radically. It's going to affect our theology yep. radically. Yep. I think we're going to ask questions we've never asked asked before. before. Exactly. I was on staff at a church and um, we, we had a number of preachers there 
um, but occasionally we'd want to get a guest preacher. Um, and because this was kind of part of my job, one of the things that I said is, is I said that whenever we get a guest preacher, because the, the other main preachers were all white men, I said, there is no way that we should be having a guest preacher who is a white male. And I read and I put that in. And so, so in my time and stuff, I don't think we ever had a white male coming to preach because I was like, we've heard from, we were hearing from this perspective, we're hearing from these guys all the time. Um, and that's not because we don't have anything good to say, you know, God's providence, that's the way the church is at the moment. But we, and we, we need to do more about changing that. But the one thing we can do right now is that if we, if we need to get someone in from the outside, we can make sure that it's someone who's bringing a different voice, a different perspective, because uh, yeah. we, we almost have a, sur- a surplus of this perspective. Amen. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. I want to say that because I think it's, a, it's something that those of us who may be in more traditional spaces, those of us who maybe we, we can't change things overnight and we're used to having one voice, we can say, what yeah. are the things I can do today to make sure that we're getting a more diverse viewpoint that we're hearing different aspects of scripture um that we're being provoked by that um oh that's powerful John. yeah that's very powerful and I, w- I would also if i may add to that i would say besides just what happens in the gathered church space we should also be asking questions about well what can i do outside of the gathered church space as we scatter how can we set up opportunities and maybe less formally so to read to read scripture together it's, you know, it doesn't have to be something that's on the church bulletin. Um, you know, if we, again, if this is a gospel call and a gospel mandate for us and we're going, man, I need to lay my life down and I need to change, then, you know, it's the narrow road. John, I, I wanted to comment on something you mentioned about discipling. You were saying that we weren't discipled to think this way. Um, we weren't discipled to see some of these things. I, I would, I would kind of flip that one and say, I think in some ways we were discipled to not see some of these things. I I heard, I heard, um, I heard, I think it was Albert Tate or, or one of these guys recently say something like, um, talking about issues of injustice and racism and all that in, in the US, he says, this thing, we were discipled into it. Like all this racism and stuff, issues of power and inequality the only way we're going to get it fixed is if it's discipled out of us, you know. And that's only going to happen if we're listening to diverse, different voices. To each other. To the to same voices yeah. we've always been listening to, yeah. guess what? Uh, we're going to get the same result. Uh, exactly. And, and one of the ways we do that is by reading scripture in community with those who are yeah. different to us. Beautiful. Now, now, how important is all of this, reading the Bible in community for the mission of the gospel? and faithfulness of our churches in the South African context. Mm, mm. Yeah, again, I, I think, uh, you know, that passage, in Ephi- that verse in Ephesians, is it Ephesians 3 that talks about the the manifold or the multi-sided wisdom of God. I just realized again how, how crucial that is in the South African context because it's about what we see about who God is and how that affects, you know, our our faith and our relationship with God and then how that leads to what we reflect in the world and how we do life and how we do ministry, you know, how we, how we proclaim and demonstrate the gospel in the world. So like, for example, I, again, our community is, is diverse and 
And so even within that diversity, you know, you've got uh, marriages, for example, that are that are mixed, right? So, so um, we, uh, my wife and I, are just spending time with with a particular couple, and we've just become friends, and we're quite a bit older than them, and further down the road in marriage, and so it's just become a very natural opportunity to to just disciple and do life and pour what God has graciously given us, just kind of pass that on. But my wife and I are both from the same ethnic group, same cultural group, right? So we have a particular view of the world. And so when it comes to how we advance the gospel, we also do that in a particular way. And we think about gospel issues in a particular way. And and the more we're sitting with, uh, with, with these friends, the more we're realizing, man, this is different. This is, this is like... Your stock standard stuff, you call like it can't, it doesn't this is different. And and unless we can see God a little bit bigger, then we won't get that. You know, we'll just dismiss things. Uh, this is this is phenomenal, man. John, you wanted to add something? The fear sometimes when we talk like this, particularly from those of us who've been raised kind of in a westernized evangelical kind of setting, is that we're gonna lose something of the gospel. Uh, mm. We will lose that that, Good. that we are yeah. going to lose out. But I love that you you um, you point us to Ephesians three verse ten, where it talks about the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the uh, through the church. The manifold wisdom of God, yeah, you know. and church is plural, and so yeah. we need each other. And actually, as we learn to read Scripture together, we actually get richer. We get deeper in the gospel. We're, it's, we're not losing; we're gaining. Um, yeah. And actually, part of that gaining, I, you know, I just really feel like I want to emphasize that part of that gaining might even be coming to faith for the very first time. Because I think there's a bunch mm. of people who don't actually grasp what wow. Jesus was about. I think wow. because we've read the gospel mm. through this narrow, enlightenment, westernized worldview where all you've got to wow. do is pray a prayer and one day you wow. are raptured off to heaven, whatever, however you want to, that wants to work. Wow. Like, actually, Jesus is far bigger because you're coming from a from a more holistic culture. You're coming yeah. from a culture that hasn't been so deeply sold out to the Enlightenment. Sure, you yeah. Know, like an African culture, people are going, but, yeah. but I see our holistic spirituality here. I'm seeing sure. far more about justice. I'm seeing far more yeah. about racial equity, about caring for the poor. It's here. Mm. How are you missing it? What do you mean this? Yeah. What do you, what do you mean <laughs> this is all this, this you know, spiritual? I mean. You, you don't know what it's like. You don't understand it's behind. Yeah. You don't know what it's about to be a victim of injustice. This is this is describing it. This is true. Jesus has come to liberate the captives. Good um, and so we, we do that, and we actually some for some people we might actually meet Jesus for the first time. Wow. <laughs> we might actually even, but even if we don't, we, we've we've inherited. I, I would just want to say it's, it's at times a very anemic version of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Jesus and 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 the the promise of reading scripture in community with those who are not like you is that your domestic worker, your gardener, the per, the homeless person down the street, the 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 woman, uh, the child, may actually bring you closer to Jesus and give you and, and you, it's, it's a gift to us. It's a yeah. gift to the church. It's not a threat. It's not a curse. It's not something we've got to be scared of. But if we learn to realize that I. John Skippers am not the sole author of truth. I'm not the one who holds all the wisdom. Actually, I need these people that the world tells me are lesser right. than me and other than yeah. I need them 
in order that I may more fully understand scripture, that I may grasp the manifold wisdom of, 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 of God and of, of the church. I mean, That's powerful. It, it's so countercultural. Exactly. I can get my head around it and I'm not sure I have. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's beautiful, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a fuller picture of God. Yeah. Exactly. Represented exactly. by a, a church that's, that's uh, you know, showcasing that is the church. God. Yeah, that's yeah. the church. Yeah. That's the church. And I think we forget that, that the church is, you know, yeah. everyone who believes in Jesus and everybody who has yeah. been, you know, who has the Holy Spirit. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm just, for me, it, it never stopped just throwing me that when I look at the, 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 the Great Commission, air quotes, uh, Matthew 28, how on earth we ended up with evangelism from that passage? Like, as, as, if, as if that was the, because, I mean, in, in, in an African context, it's so important just to realize that he is the God of, of the fact that the, the disciples first worship yeah. him that you have to yeah. come to a point of worship first to understand that he's the God of all. Now, in an African worldview, he's the God of all spirituality. If, if, if yeah. ever there's, there's earth, the, the yeah. one who's, who's supreme over the spiritual realm, he's the one you worship. You move from there. You, 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 baptism, for me, says institution. Now, in the, in the black church community or context, the most faithful institution has always been the church. So when I look at baptism, I think of institution. I don't just think, you know, uh, baptized in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm united in, in Jesus, I'm, I'm born again and, and all of that. I, I also think and I see institution in that. You baptize into the body, you baptize into the into body, community. Yeah, into community. All of that is in there. And then, I mean, what you guys have been just shouting back is this holistic thing, all authority, heaven and on earth. And I see power there, authority. I hear yeah. power. Certain people can read the Bible and they come with their context and their subjective readings, which are not illegitimate, but they're just not yeah. the whole story. Yeah, it's exactly. not the full story. Exactly. Of thinking no, no. That and and here's the frustrating thing, John, yes. is that if you bring everything that we are saying, that, that we are the enemy of the gospel. Yeah. Because oh. we have a, a, a friend of mine actually said that, you know, when we, 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 we in evangelical certain circles, the good news, because that's what the gospel is, good news is not actually a thing. The thing is that God became man to redeem us. That's the good news. The news is the, is the grand yeah, yeah, yeah. announcement that yes. something... Yeah, what is, what, what is this good news you're talking the, about? Exactly. That's yeah. the question. That, that's yeah. the question. That's the question. Why did Europeans come to Africa? Why didn't you just preach the gospel, get your own resources, and things will be sorted out? You didn't need to discover <laughs> other land. <laughs> Because you just needed to preach, just just preach the gospel in your own context, and it was, it, it, it will sort out all the economical problems, all the the, the, oh, the wealth oh, and things that you needed. Just preach the gospel. Please have um, a glass water on hand. I <laughs> know David it's so hot here. Down your podcast, David is shooting fire. Guys, oh, well, focus, guys, focus here, focus here. I said oh, Jesus. The answer focus, is Jesus. The, the oh, answer you, is you, Jesus. You bring in the fire now. You know, you, you take you. Let let's let's move here. practically. Let's move practically, guys. Uh, okay. What does all this look like? Reading in community. What what is reading the Bible in community? What does this look like? Uh, can you give us some practical examples, J.K., in terms for reading the Bible in community? Yeah, again, I think we've touched on it already. I would say um, definitely think about creative ways for the gathered church to come together and read. But this is a challenge, right? So maybe the 
the church family that you're part of is pretty traditional and is not open to kind of creative ways of 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 that formal Sunday gathering, then think creatively about how you get together when you are the church scattered, because the church is gathered and scattered. So, and and some of that is going to mean just taking initiative. And it doesn't, I mean, you can tell your leaders about it. You don't have to be sly. You know, we're not asking you to be subversive or maybe we are <laughs> but but i mean find ways of reading scripture together and then when it comes to uh, particularly for communities that are not diverse in and of themselves well i mean that's again it depends how we define diversity right so if we're saying diversity means economic diversity uh cultural diversity generational diversity you know gender all those things you, you, in the South African context, you often be hard pressed to find those integrated communities, right? Just being honest, but there's still diversity, and we've spoken about it already. So why not get? And if there are leaders listening to this, then leaders need to innovate and and get multi generational groups together. Um, get people, get people to, re- you know, this this thing about the the homogenous unit principle, especially, and I'm not talking about as it's been applied to missions, but as it's applied to local church. So we silo off generations and we say, well, the older people will come to the early service. The youth will go to the evening service. The families can come to the mid-morning service and never the twain meet. They never ever in community. So you actually are only ever with people who are your age and most likely your culture, your class. It's just, we just like forcing this homogenous thing to remain as homogenous as possible. So in a church that is not culturally diverse or economically, you know, integrated, you can at least start by getting different ages together, get different perspectives together and, and get people to read. Um, but then, you know, for, for people that are, are really serious about getting beyond just the formal gathering uh, into more informal gatherings, I think people really need to start dreaming about, I don't know, inviting people over for a meal and, and, and a time of reading together um, or starting a small group. And this small group exists just to read together. And it could be a group um, of people from diverse uh, um Church, church traditions, you know, uh, um, but but just intentionally get people together and and start reading scriptures. I think those are some practical next steps for for God's people. Yeah, can I, can I make something? Um, you know, I'd like to say on you, on behalf yep. of all white people quickly. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to say, so particularly to white men, um, as we as we seek to do this. I think there's going to needs to be an intentional effort uh, and to, to learn more and more to not talk. Uh, not because you don't have anything to offer, not because that's a, a, something that needs to be perpetually true, but I think we have been trained to speak. We've been trained not to listen. We've been trained to center ourselves. And so I think the only way that we learn to start listening to others is that we have to learn to also stop talking. 
uh, to stop. And so that might mean for a season, you say, I'm just going to listen. I'm going to learn to do that. Um, and, you know, you can feel guilty. You can feel angry about it. But the reality is that's how we were trained. That's how I was trained. And like, you know, Jeremy was saying, we, we, we got to disciple, disciple ourselves out of this. Uh, and one of the ways that might be is saying, I actually need to physically stop myself and I need to sit and learn and listen from those who are not like me. Um, That's very so good. I, I really That's just want to emphasize that because I think it's hard, um, but but it's it's a practical step that, that can make a difference. And as you learn to listen, you know, it'll look different for everyone. You learn to speak, you learn to engage. Mm. Um no, 100%. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth towards the end of what you were saying. You were talking about discipling, and you said it's about learning to listen. By definition, right? Discipling, by definition, means learning. A disciple, by definition, is a learner. And you, I, I think you, you guys know this, right? The, the, the Greek word for uh, disciple has the same root as uh, the word for mathematics, it's M-A-T-H. It's math. It means hard learning. That's oh, wow. Thank, now, now we know. Now I know. A, a disciple is a, a mathetes. Mathetes, right? It's hard learning. It's hard. And you said it. It's hard. It's hard. To be a disciple is a hard journey of learning. And so, yeah, we're going to have to be willing to learn and say, hey, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Let me keep quiet and learn and let someone who's other than me teach me because i'm not an expert on this i'm not an expert exactly and, and, and the Good. learning might require some unlearning first i think that's what i'm yeah. saying yeah like before we can learn we might need to unlearn and that's also and that's also a steep learning curve because we don't like to unlearn we'd like to acquire knowledge and you know and move from that place so yeah can i also just say shameless plug here um so i so so, so two things related to isi pambano the, the the one is the well it's kind of morphed into the into the online seminars now hey eh, John but I mean in the past it used to be called the theology justice and justice and theology forum, forum? Just, justice and theology I attended one of those a couple of years ago and uh, Isipambano uh, was it Isipambano or was it your former church John anyway Brian Coela led a a a um, one of those forums. But the way he did it was by having us read scripture in community. And we were reading um, about, uh, the, the issue was land. And Naboth's so we were reading. Vineyard. Yeah, it was Naboth's Vineyard. And he made us sit in small groups. And just as it worked out, the groups were diverse. And, and he made us see ourselves in the passage. He made us see the various characters in the passage. And I mean, the stuff that came out there was not what would have come out if he just stood up and did an exposition on it. So, so really powerful. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, yeah. I, I, personally, I think that's a beautiful way to end the session. Jeremy, thank you so much for, for being with us. Uh, you are always a breath of fresh air. And I know we've been getting, and I know you're probably familiar with being on East Bambano, being part of our team um, getting all kinds of flack for for saying this kind of thing, and, I, and and somebody who's listening is like, how on earth would anybody find this problematic? Well, for the way people approach the scriptures, um, yeah, um, people will, people do not find these things comfortable, and so they 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 name they shame us through all kinds of things, and 
what they call us, but I want to say, brother, um, the prophets were treated this way. Um, sure. And uh, continue what you're doing uh, with exilic, giving young black people voices in terms of music, mm-hmm. in terms of podcasts, and, and everything that you're doing. Uh, you, you are you are one of those guys, part of God's army, who are behind the scenes. Who God, you know, you, you don't get the props that you often get, um, uh, except the last tag at the end of every podcast, at the end of every <laughs> sound music produced out there. Uh, but all of that stuff, that content wouldn't have gone out if guys like you didn't exist uh, yeah. with a clear gospel. And I'm sure you do other stuff, but guys who have a clear yeah. biblical gospel mindset um, yeah, yeah. behind everything that you're doing. And I pray God's blessing on all your work. Amen. Um, thanks, for everybody thanks, listening. Bro. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks, bro. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Uh, for everybody listening, um, please remember, to follow Yellow Menso on Twitter or Isimambano on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Uh, get involved in the conversation. Get involved in the discussion. Give us your comments. Give us your feedback. We welcome them no matter like what they are. We welcome them. Yep. Um, and we love to hear from you. Uh, if you found this helpful, please share with friends. Like, comment once again. Give us your reviews. Guys, this audio was produced by Exilic Music. You can find them at www.exilic.com co.za I'm David signing out and I'm John saying we got work to do peace y'all